Welcome to Life, Death, Sci-Fi. This is episode... <laughs> we don't even know. <laughs> Five or six? It's been quite a, quite a while since we've been doing these, but we've been getting better and better, so it always feels like the first one to me. Ringworld. I looked him up a, a little bit on, uh, on a sci-fi website, and this guy is 81 years old now. He's still alive. 81 seems old to me, but not too far away, really. Um, and he wrote his last book last year. Wow. Yeah, I, I Googled him real quick just to, just to make sure I was pronouncing his name correctly, and and uh, I saw that he was recently uh, brought, you know, brought to Google to give a, a talk. Oh, wow! Yeah. I would I would go to hear him uh, talk. And guess what? His last book was uh, written about the Kazin. Is that uh, Chimi, one uh, of the main characters? Okay, okay. The speaker. The speaker. Yes. Yeah, speaker, speaker to animals, right? Speaker to animals. Which it never really explains, does it? I think the first thing he says is, I will tie your necks in a bow knot. I mean, it's not the very first thing, but it's up there. I will tie your necks in a bow knot. Sounds, um, sounds aggressive, aggressive <laughs> to me. But it's probably just saying hello. Yeah, exactly. Hi, how are you doing? In the cast of characters, we have the Chimi Kazin, uh, Lewis the Human, Tila the Human, and one of my favorites, the hindmost, Nessus the Puppeteer. I have a lot to say about him, mm. her, it, do I dare say, mm. and Prill later on in the story, Prill. Right. Um, I don't think there were too many other characters that were... No, you no, know. you know, a little quick mention of the seeker, I suppose, at some point. Yeah. Now you've yeah. Re- you've read you've read on, right? You said you've read another. I read this mm-hmm. the second book, and um, spoiler alert: um, this seeker doesn't last too long. He, he, we have been watching, reading about aliens for years and years and years now. I grew up. Um, reading about aliens, watching them on TV. Um, and now uh, it's, it's so easy for me to believe in another, a being from another planet. What about right. you? Yeah, I think I've always, that's always made sense to me. Or just, just I've, I guess I've always felt like well, I mean, you know, my, my, you know, watching those shows with my parents growing up, um, you know, it was always kind of ever present. I guess the, 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 you know, this idea or different versions of that. Um, so definitely, you know, it's definitely something I can uh, believe. You know, believe is true. Um, let's try as I'm saying that I'm trying to think of the. Um, there's some kind of theory on that, right? About the, in terms of the probability of that being true. Oh yes, uh, there, there, there's so much written about. Is there life? Um, is there sentient life out there somewhere? And if you talk to people on the streets, I would bet you that ninety percent of the people have some sort of opinion. And I bet you that more than 50% would say, yes, they believe in life from uh, outer space. Yeah. Do you, have, you, have you seen the movie uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets? No. You didn't see this movie? No. In fact, I'm trying to think about oh. Valerian sounds kind of familiar, but I, yeah, I, don't, I don't think I've heard of it. Oh, oh, you must see it then. And it's, it's been around now, so it's, it's out there, uh, easy enough to see. Right. The introduction, the introduction to this movie is how this, the, um, space station became 
bigger and bigger and bigger as they ate, uh, as they welcomed alien uh, species. It starts out with just um, just welcoming like the Russians, the Soviets come and, and they plug in and, you know, everybody's so happy. But then, then as the introduction grows, there are more and more species um, of different uh, worlds come to join. And that's how it became a city of a thousand uh, planets. And it, this introduction showed how many variations that people can think of. Um, and that's that's what reminded me of the puppeteer, the hindmost. Um, hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, fascinating concept. And, and really one that seems likely. <laughs> the hindmost, yes. Oh, not the hindmost, um, the, the Valerian. Valerian, uh, this you know, kind of expanding space station idea is pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh, and, and the um, story is... Is lovely. I think you you will like it. Um, and if you can watch it on a big screen, that's that's what you should do. Okay. Um, okay. So 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 we've got uh, this hindmost two headed, you know, uh, uh, creature that can look into its own eyes. Uh, so the physiology is is interesting. Um, behavior explained by hit his or hers title, you know, the hindmost. Hmm. And, uh, I, th- I think, I think what, what really, and, and for authors, this is pretty good, uh, is, is to move things on alien beliefs. Like the Kizen, um, had a whole different value system and belief, belief system than, than Lewis and Tila, the humans on board. I enjoyed that. That's the puppeteer part, and and which I th- I think for me this was not particularly a story of the giant huge worlds that that uh, Larry Niven um, created. I mean, the Ring World is hard to imagine the way he described it. Lo- lovely description about how big something like that has to be and what kinds of things hold it together is, is, it was fascinating, but I thought the, the heart of this story for me was the eugenics of it. I think you're exactly right about Attila really realizing that she never had free will. It's always been manipulated by her luck, but she also took took uh, advantage of um, uh, slacking off on her moral responsibility. Maybe she never saw that she should have moral responsibility, but, you know, for someone who has incredible luck, that you know, really probably wouldn't play into life that much. You just float on through. Yeah, and yet in the end, uh, Lewis seems to be... Did you pronounce his name Lewis? Yeah, why? Is it No, no, I don't know. I just I just I didn't think about it until I said it out loud. I mean I suppose it could be Louis, right? But uh that Lewis Oh yes, my uncle Louis. Yeah, he had yeah. that too. Oh, let's call him Louis. <laughs> Louis. Um I you know that I don't know, it might be hard for me. I've been thinking of Lewis, I think, the whole time, but that Louis oh. Lewis I think you can't do it. Either one. Now, yeah. Either one. Well, we'll know when they when they release a series, right? On a, yes, which will be exciting. Um, we should we should make some predictions about that at the end. We think that yeah, yeah, know. yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll make a little uh, note about that uh, predictions. Um, and uh, you know, he's kind of he kind of argues in the in, you know toward toward the end, he's arguing that what her luck actually was. That, that she starts to be slightly seemingly unlucky, right? That she burns her feet. Um, that, um, you, you know, that she kind of, you know, has this trauma through the eye, you know, and that these things happen to her so that she can um, then, you know, these, these tragedies around her so she can kind of grow and mature and, and gain experience that'll help her become more fully human 
right? Because she's not, she's, she's, uh, built in the, you know, because she's kind of constructed by the puppeteers in a way in, 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 in their version of what they think would be godlike that the luck in the end is, is how she can luck causes her to become human. Does that make sense? Like it's, like it's, Oh, her, I really like that. Um, a, a lot of that makes sense to me. Which which becomes like kind of a key part of the story arc, really. Um, that I, I guess I wasn't really expecting. Um, but in terms of the you know of, of a way of exploring questions about you know, let's say luck slash fate versus choice freedom, free will. Um, I guess that makes sense, right? I, uh, w- when I was uh, reading it, this is, I think this is my second read. I, I read it a long, long time ago. Um, when I was reading it, I, I was really trying to get clarity on that. I almost got it. And then, you know how some concepts, ideas then, then kind of gets away from you. Um, but talking with you and, and uh, looking even reading the small article that this guy had on his book, uh, Free Will and Moral Responsibility, how luck undermines that is um, it's powerful stuff. And then I think, okay, here here are these puppeteers, these aliens that are, are manipulating us through eugenics. And then the other example of um, the Kizen um, making them into you know, docile, more docile so they could deal with them. I think maybe is that true? Are we in some huge eugenics experiment and that our lives are really manipulated by some greater force? Is that a good enough conspiracy theory? I I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of challenging. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess notions of, uh, I mean, yeah, is that what, um, you know, a, a God does, right? Are we, you know, are we in the, in the matrix of sorts that we're all in? Um, yeah, yeah. I Sometimes I feel like that. And I think sometimes we all feel like that. And and is that a feeling that we should you know let uh, let it be explored and and find out you know take the red pill or blue pill was it blue pill yeah um, yeah well I, mean, I don't know yeah it has me also thinking about whether I mean, I mean you know is it suggesting that some you know some races or animals or species are of um, well, they're all of some like significance, right? To some, you know, it just has me thinking about like, uh, you know, the consumption of animal, right? I mean, do we, are we, you know, do you, should we be eating, <laughs> you know, um, animal species or do we only feel like we can because they've been manipulated, you know, they've been, manip- you know, we've been manipulated over the generations to feel like some animals have less value than others. I mean, if we're really thinking about what's sentient, then, you know, we probably shouldn't be eating pig or octopus. And, you know, and yet we eat those and we don't eat dogs and cats. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm totally with you. Uh, I think, I think uh, science fiction lets, uh, lets you see eugenics a little more clearly because we're we're already in the scope of space which is this limitless place and eugenics only works over time and so you're in this place of you know infinity and you can look at eugenics and say oh yeah with just a little manipulation here or there over this many generations we can get this is that yeah, that's yeah. There's a lot of like playing God in this this text, and I think the other one that's there is uh, you know the idea of living longer and longer lives, 
right? Through this booster spice, and then there's something else for the end. That, uh, Tree of Life, yeah. That uh, well, it's in mythology, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I. Hmm. Yeah, I was I was wondering if uh, you know Lewis would. He's bringing back some kind of pill, or he's going to share that, right? When he he trades Hila, um, you know, for that. It will be. It's revealed in the second book for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, it seemed like it would come back to that. Yeah, I mean, how long? Yeah. Yeah, how long would you want to live? <laughs> I mean, I suppose if there was, you know, if I could explore and explore unknown universes, um, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think I would want to live for a long time. You read Altered Carbon. I've only seen the series, but kind of reminds me. Oh, you have. Oh, that's right. The series was really pretty good, but the book was pretty awesome too. Yeah. It's all yeah, maybe. May, well, maybe we'll have to put that on the list because there's some really good stuff in that about, yeah, that long longevity stuff. Hmm. You know, the other place that we've, uh, I think there are a couple places, but one place that really, really affected me with eugenics in, in our readings has been in the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. Hmm. Um, the eugenics of slavery in the United States. I mean, it's, it's a, it's been a kind of a recurring theme in some, in, at least three of the books that we've read. I can't remember what the other one was, but uh, uh, eugenics and science fiction seem to be connected in some way. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, I mean yeah, the Underground Railroad's new. I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, when this is written. So it's published in 1970. Um, I, you know, there's there's echoes of... Um, you know, you just wonder with, you know, is there some kind of, you know, kind of, is, you know, some views and things that don't quite, aren't quite as nuanced or, or developed as maybe they would be nowadays. I, you know, so I don't know when I hear about eugenics, it's just kind of, you know, they're, they're, you know, brings to mind ideas of, of racism. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I got, and there's certainly some tone throughout this in which, um, you know, Lewis seems, I, mean, I have to go back and look and I may dig into some quotes, but you know, does he seem to, you know, seems to have a kind of an arrogance, you know, of like a, you know, like old kind of experienced white guy, you know, and I always wonder if, you know, is there some, um, you know, is that the, you know, is there a bit of the author, you know, in that? Um, uh, although when this was, you know, written, I mean, if he's 80, so that's, 50 years ago, right? I mean, he was 30 when writing this, so he wasn't an old guy <laughs> writing it, right? Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, but, um, you know, that, I mean, and then I think along the same lines is that, I mean, there's certainly some aspects of this in which, or some moments, well, really the portrayal of women in this is not very flattering. I mean, I have me thinking of, of, uh, of Heinlein. Uh-huh. Yes. Did you? Did you yeah, I, pick I, up on I, that? I, well, I, I did. Not. It's not as blatant. I mean, Heinlein just smacks you with it, and um, I don't know. I've I've read some things about um, Heinlein that said he was kind of pushed that way because of the publishers. Right, um, right. which you know, speaks of a you know a deeper thing, but then authors should uh, write what they believe in, in themselves. So yeah, this, this I, 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 I don't know. I I struggle with the um, with the idea that um, the author a long time ago was this way, and should I like that author's works as well? In light of my attitudes of today, right. I 
I don't know. I haven't resolved that quite yet, but it, it feels, I, I don't know. Yeah, we, we talked about that in a bit more depth with, and I don't know if we need to go to in depth here. I just thought it was notable. You know, just the, the women are portrayed as, there's always question about intelligence, right? It's like, oh, Tila's, and I get that she's to be younger, but, you know, is, is Tila Brown, oh, she was actually a little smarter than I thought, right? <laughs> and then the way um, even um, uh, Prilla is portrayed in the end, um you know, that she's, it's sure she's learned how to speak, but she seems, you know, he's kind of wondering whether she's intelligent or not. Um, and, he, and he seems to be a bit, you know, superior. Um, you know, I, I pulled out a few quotes like, um, you know, that her, this, this is in regard to Tila, um, when they landed on the ring floor. Oh, this is after she was crying when he, which is pretty cruel, right? I mean, he kind of like encourages her to climb on these black lava walls, even though he knows it's going to burn her just to teach her a lesson. Uh, <laughs> and he, and he, after she's been crying, he's like her lips, this is a narrator. Uh, her lips he saw were, were perfect for pouting. She was one of those rare lucky women whom crying does not make ugly. Um, yeah. And then later on that same passage, he's like, uh, we need you to keep me happy so I don't rape Nessus. Oh. And there's a couple of references to, like, him, you know, not being able to control himself. And I, I, mean, I guess that's a terrible portrayal of masculinity, too, that if, you know, if it weren't for, like, her, you know, it's kind of early on as if her, her you know, she's needed on this journey just to keep him happy. Um, and one of those things is so he doesn't, you know, he's not, over, you know, an overly aggressive kind of male, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what do you say? Here it is. Uh, pretty, pretty clear. Um, and yes, I, I read those, those, I read the whole book. So when I come to those places in a, in a story, should I just stop reading? Oh, Should I read with no. caution? No. Yeah, I mean, right. That's the question. I, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 to me, it doesn't ruin a work for me. Um, I, I think, I think it's noteworthy. Sometimes it warrants more or less discussion. I guess um, here, you know, maybe part. I didn't. I don't know if I prepared as much to talk about it. Um, yeah, I found, it, to me, it's a little bit of um, there's an element of caricature or exaggeration, you know, almost like you know the first Star Trek series in which um, you know some things are, are or, or let's say an early James Bond, you know, early Star Trek, where um, it's you know it's almost comical or ridiculous you know it's, it's some like uh it's uh, it's it's some kind of like adolescent male fantasy right that um yeah it, it just, but it's easy for me to say that as like a as a as a male right I, i'm not you know you know it's it i guess to not draw more umbrage with it um but I, yeah i don't think it to me it's not a matter of like I think it's still. I, w- I would. I wouldn't stop reading. I mean, neither of us stop reading. Um, and it's, it's it's a question. Yeah, that's a question to ask. I mean, um, yes, there have been some stories, some books that I've just put down because, you know, it didn't it didn't um, appeal to me. I, that that's what we would say, or I was offended by it. Hmm. Um, not too many though. If I'm going to, I mean, I look through lots of books before I pick up one that I'm going to read. So I've made some kind of commitment at the beginning. And then when you begin, after you start reading it and you invest yourself into that story and the characters come out like that, there's a, there's a decision to be made. And it's it's a good thing to talk about in advance because then you know your decision becomes um, more complicated and I think better. 
if you're going to read it or not. Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was thinking it would, be, it would be funny to have as a list, you know, in these, in these podcasts is, I mean, I don't know what we title it, but like, like the descriptions of, you know, the sexual encounters. Um, yeah. Because some of them are so funny. Like, uh, there's a few here. Well, it doesn't say much about maybe the view of humanity that, like, say they land on Ringworld, they've just seen these natives, and the first thing they do is, like, grab a, they, they be in Lewis and Tito's grab a blanket and go off into the woods to have, to have sex, right? It reduces them, like, their animal instincts, the puppeteer. Maybe, maybe that's why the puppeteer is so, so powerful, because the puppeteer's, you know, cautious and thinking, and at least we don't, we don't, for the narration, we don't know what the puppeteer does when they land on Ringworld. They finally set down, but we know, uh, we know what, I should say when they finally set down, when they finally, you know, get into those, uh, fly cycles and then they, they, they see those natives working in a stream and they land. And the first thing that, um, Lewis and Tila do is grab a blanket and go off to the, to the woods to copulate as, as Nephew says. And then, um, and then the first thing that the speaker does is, is, you know, grin like, this is like Alice in Wonderland. Look at you know the Cheshire Cat, and then run off in the woods after a rabbit. <laughs> you know, chases a little a rabbit. Um, yeah, I want, to, I want to read a little bit from there because I, I. Yeah, it's it's what does Ness say? You amaze me. So Ness says, no known sentient species copulates as often as you do. Go then, use caution where you sit. Remember that unfamiliar life forms are about. Um, and then, and then it goes on, uh, next page. Um, yeah, presently Lewis rolled onto his back, on his, on to his back, and Tila impaled herself. I remember that. <laughs> she straddled his lips. I just laughed out loud. I read that as she straddled his lips. It took me a second, too. I was like, wait, impaled? What's happening? I was like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> they, they, they looked at each other for more for a long, brilliant, unbearable moment before they began to move. Seen through the glow of a building orgasm, a woman seems to blaze with angelic glory. <laughs> and there's ellipses, you know, dot, dot, dot. Something the size of a rabbit shot out of the trees, scampered across Lewis's chest, and was gone into the undergrowth. An instant later, speaker to animals bounded into view. Excuse me, the Kazin called, and was gone, hot on the scent. I think that was one of my uh, one of my favorite moments in the whole book. I just thought, that, <laughs> I just thought what a what a what a funny scene. Yeah. <laughs> well. Just after, do you seeing, think? just after, I mean, just after first contact, really. I mean, like, haven't met him yet, but like seeing these natives, and that's what that's the next the scene that follows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but or do you think this is just uh, an author's um, manipulation of uh, the times where you know he has to put in something, you know, he has to put in a sex scene or two, yeah, uh, oh, to yeah, sell the book. Totally, totally. Yeah, it could definitely be that. Yeah, and then, you know, there's like pause for commercial break, and then they're meeting the natives, you know, just after there's, I mean, there's a page break literally right after that. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was great. Yeah. Well, in the same, you know, they meet this alien, this, this Prilla toward the end. No, sorry, not this alien, this, this human that's been, you know, long lost human, right? In a way. And, um, you know, and then what, what does she end up being? You know, it's like she ends up being, she was like the ship's whore, right? Like, uh, oh, yeah. Like, oh, God. That's what she ends up being after all this time. There's like three women and all these men. And what's the women's role? She's like a, she's a whore, right? The ship's whore. And, and she can only, you know, please men and her power comes through sexuality. And, and, and yet Lewis, you know, can, can resist it. Um, what, and then, and then we've got the, um, the TASP, which was a really fascinating, I thought that was a really original, uh, invention. Yes. Yes. Well, and, before we get into that, and, do you do like this idea? I think it'd be funny to have maybe a, you know, a, when, when we come across those, you know, like a few different kind of lists of things, but two lists come to mind. One is like, well, three, actually three that come to mind for the podcast, I think would be a good way to kind of organize it or maybe, ah kind of bring things to a close. Um, so 
the ones that I think of more as closers are two lists. And one of those is the, you know, if there were some, uh, you know, these, 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 I got to think of a better title of these, like sex scenes, basically, <laughs> you know, steamy, steamy sci-fi or something like, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, that would be really interesting. I thought, uh, just kind of funny, you know, funny, quick, kind of like best lines, you know, best steamy lines from the text. And then you'll know, get us, <laughs> it'll get us a bigger audience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. You can uh, skip to the end if you want to hear about these scenes. That, that could be the hook at the beginning of the, of the, <laughs> the show. It'll, it'll, <laughs> instead of, instead of starting with the intro, it's just like, you know, you start, you start with a line like, um, um, uh, the, the, you know, the line would be steam through the glow of a building orgasm. A woman seems to blaze with angelic gore, glow. <laughs> death, death, life, life, death, sci-fi episode. Oh, you know? Anyway, uh, I think that would be, <laughs> so we're getting kind of, kind of a funny thing to talk about anyway. And, uh, you know, maybe something to look into just in terms of the industry and what was happening during that time period as well. And then um, the other the other one that I think is a little more just kind of you know fun or celebratory is um, you know looking at favorite lines you know picking out like say three to five lines just just you know for whatever like reason it could be because they were you know they're they were uh, you know kind of poignant in some way or or just beautifully written you know kind of favorite lines from the the book oh yeah. I, I I like this these ideas, and then the, and then the last one is something that I want to get into now, and that's why I kind of pause with a task. Is I I started keeping like a, a column going of um, different, and, and you mentioned this at the very beginning of this discussion, like different kind of science fiction um, machines, right, or, or or devices, or like sci-fi. Um, would it be a device or a, what do they call it in drama, like a um, a, a a prop? Yeah, I guess it's kind of like it could be a prop. Like it's, maybe it's just a device, like a, like a dramatic device. Um, maybe that's making too much of it. But so here's some examples, and then let's let's talk about the task, and we can come back to these. So these are um, I feel like I might be missing one or two, but I wrote down on a little post-it here the slide walks. Uh, oh yeah, transfer booths. You know the drinking kind of bulb. Booster Spice, the Reading Screen, Fairy Chess, the the, the uh, Hyperspace, Stepping Discs, Fly Cycles, and then, um, I mean, any other ones that come to mind? Well, part of the Fly cy- Cycles had um, supposedly oh, yeah. amazing med kits and also... Um, that kind of walk they had where they could all fly in a diamond... Yes, almost like a. But they, yeah, they had food food processors too, food makers. You know, you put in right. whatever right. organic and the brick, you get like a food brick. Yeah, but those things were uh, very important in this in this episode. Yeah, plateau trance. I guess it's not really a device, but like a. You know, something, you know, just those kind of like, uh, maybe we can look up like the, you know, in terms of, again, you know, what do we call those lists? But what, maybe yeah. a few words, you know, that go together to, that, that encompass all of those. But, you know, like, you know, in Star Trek, they used to have those, uh, I think they actually, it was worked like a, uh, like a closed passage or a Mad Lib. And they used to fill it in with like, you know, sci, sci-fi speak, you know, in the old uh-huh. Star Treks. Um I think, I think some of those little inventions are pretty, pretty, you know, be worth worthy of a list to kind of discuss a few of them and kind of highlight them. It's kind of, I don't, I don't know, I always find them really fun. Well, it, it, interesting. This this um, was written in 1970, and making a list like that, it'd be fun also to check off which ones are are true now, not science fiction anymore. Yeah, yeah, right. Like the. Um, yeah, the reading screen, for example, or even a slide walk. I don't know if there were, you know, like like you'd see at the airport, right? Um, yeah. What? Uh, I don't know what do we call those things now. What do you call it? Like a like a 
conveyor. Yeah. What, what are the ones that you walk on that are not a uh, escalator? I mean, escalator. escalator. Are those also escalators? The ones that go up or escalators? No. Escal, escal makes, yeah, goes up. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, which ones were, were kind of uh, prescient and, and All right. which ones have yet to be reality? All right, so let's stick with machines. So the tab. So you, yeah. What, a, what an interesting uh, device. Uh, more effective than any projectile wep- weapon, I think. Well, I guess we should say what the TASP does. So the TASP being this, um, what is it, like an embedded um, sensor or embedded uh, transmitter that it's, it's, it's embedded into, it was, under, it was underneath one of his, uh, like around his neck, is that right? Oh, I can't remember where it was embedded, but it was uh, the puppeteer had it. It had it embedded, I think, because it didn't want anybody to take it away and use it on him. Maybe I right, right. That's it. Well, so I think it was cut off at the end. Um, but we've got and and so and then the the way that this I've never heard of this kind of. Um, uh, weapon, but I mean, it's almost like one of those, like, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, like a uh, remote controlled vibrator or some kind of thing where, you know, the, the, the way that it would cause pain is through absolute pleasure, right? Yeah. Meanly like, yes. you know, like a, like a, like an sexual ecstasy kind of pleasure. Uh, I I was yes that and you know um, uh, what uh, what people say about heroin and some of those kinds of drugs. So uh, between all of those kinds of ways that you know you can receive pleasure, the task in my mind was like a hundred times more than that, and um, such a dangerous thing. He could dial it up and down. Right. So I, I only gave you a little bit of it and, and look how you feel. That would, you know, that yeah, would be in that manipulation, right? That you, Ooh. you're, you're, you don't realize why you're feeling, uh, kind of charmed by someone, right. Or feel good in their presence. Um, mm. you know, some kind of like psycho, um, you know, it's almost a hypnotism or, that comes up once, I think, or once or twice, I think, in the book, too, the idea of hypnosis. And that, uh, yep. you know, trying to understand that. Um, and, I, and I suppose that, that Niven's, you know, again, commenting on, 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 you know, these, you know, the way that some figures can play God in a way. I mean, we're all manipulated by, uh, if we don't understand it, we're manipulated by the way that people communicate with us. Right. Like if I were, you know, you think of like advice for a job interview and, you know, you're meant to mirror the body language of the person who's interviewing you. Right. To like in their subconscious, help them understand that uh, you're uh, with them, you know, that you're you're reflecting uh, what they value. Yeah, exactly. How how do you know? Yeah. In, In other words. Yeah. It's like. Helen Keller at that, you know, wah-wah moment. How, how do you do that? And that's, I, I think, an, it, when an author can do that uh, as you're reading and, and you get the feeling that uh, aliens, uh, you know, are working with that kind of, and, and we as humans are working to understand them. It makes it easier, I think, to um, believe it when and if it really happens. Yeah. Yeah, that would be something disturbing to realize. Um, well, you have those aha moments, right, where you're reading some kind of, uh, you know, text about social media or something. Or, like, like I can think of that when you, you know, how um, different um uh, uh, sites or apps, say Instagram, uh, Facebook, um, who else does this? I think Twitter does it. 
um, you know, where they delay the notification by by a couple of like a, like over a second. So when you when you open the app, you can't see for a long second whether or not you have anything new. And there's that rush, right before you. Oh uh, yeah. Because they don't need to do that. It could appear instantaneously, but instead they delay it on purpose so that there's this moment of anticipation that's totally contrived, and yet it, and yet it just works, right? Okay, well, the TASP gets a check next to the developing uh, in in the world right now. Yeah, yeah, I can category. see that. But you can imagine a place in which you, right, where you're walking through... Um, I think we're not far off from that, right? With advertising where not only would you get images that are unique to uh, you based on maybe facial recognition or whatever, but also there might be um, some kind of, you know, sound or, or, you know, voice that your inner ear kind of picks up that gives you a subliminal message that you're not even recognizing so that when you walk by an ad for a particular product, maybe you feel like you you know, have this sudden urge for whatever that is, right? Or just a good feeling associated with that product you just looked at um, that you're yeah. not, yeah, you're not aware of. Oh, yeah. I, I believe it. I've, I, there have been many movies that uh, sh- show that. Oh, which, which one was it? The remake of um, the one about Mars and the air. Oh, and total, the, re- total Recall. Total Recall had yeah. a lot of that in it. Yeah, um, or uh, Minority oh, Report had some things in oh, it. Oh, yes. Have you walked into a nice hotel and felt better because it has this atomizer fragrance in the air? I definitely always do notice the shift in atmosphere when I walk into a nice hotel, um, which is, yeah, which is remarkable. Um, so I think that's manipulation too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so the, ta- that, that's the task the task makes our list. Uh, what else you got from machines? Well, I mean, I think that one is, I mean, worthy of so much discussion. Um, I mean, that, that one's probably the, the, that, that one, and then I guess the, the booster spice, you know, not a, not a machine exactly, but a, but a device, right? Um, you know, a sci-fi invention um, is pretty fascinating. Um the idea of being able to, to take something that would prolong your life. And I, and I, I you know, it's, I don't think we're that far off from, from that either. But who gets to take it? Yeah. That's the question. Only, only those with insurance. Yeah. Ha. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then once, once you are at that level of immortality, then I think the, uh, playing eugenics isn't too far off. Right. Yeah, well, I think that's not too far off either just because are, you know, are we, I mean, that's a big discussion, but like, you know, if, if you knew your, your child would have some particular disorder, right, wouldn't you make the choice to remove that, you know, or, or fill in, you know, whatever you need to do to kind of, uh, fix that, right? If if it's offered, at what price, and and to whom? You know, uh, it's whoa. That's a that's a big question. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I those are those are hard questions to answer. I mean, I I I don't know how. I guess it's 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 you know having you know we we both have children and so knowing what you know if if it's hard it's hard i guess i probably might have seen that a bit differently until i had a kid perhaps 
because, you know, anything I would do to not lose my own child would be, <laughs> I'd probably do whatever it takes, right? Um, I guess up to a certain point, right? Like I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know, I won't even get into that. I mean, I wouldn't like sacrifice somebody <laughs> else's life, like, you know, but, but like, you know, if I, you know, let's say you have one child that you lost, you know, because they had some kind of, you know, curable, uh, but something you know, they were born with that, you know, that you knew they were going to, they would only live to be 12. Well, you would just cure that. Right. But if you had to make that decision before they were born, it's easier to understand that having lost a child, right. Or having had a child, you wouldn't want to lose. Um, I guess collectively as, as a human race, we understand that, I suppose. Um, and why wouldn't we, I guess, why wouldn't we do that? But it's a sense of playing. The hard thing is where the limits, right? Where do you limit? That's always the question, right? Yeah. I guess that's the beauty of sci-fi. For, pushing the limits. That's, that's exactly why, why I love science fiction. One of the reasons. Yeah. And I guess, I guess to come back to maybe an earlier, you know, to bring us back to an earlier, uh, some earlier thinking in terms of, you know, should, so if somebody, if Niven's writing this or Heinlein's writing certain things, and I'm sure we'll come across other authors of classic works that are kind of living in a different time and exploring ideas that are, you know, more controversial now than they were then. Um, if, if, if not for the exploration of those ideas, you know, it's kind of like, pretty edgy comedy, right? I mean, we, you know, you want to, in order to, in order to, I guess, progress, uh, you know, to, to stretch the imagination and, and, um, and learn, you kind of have to push some ideas that maybe, you know, maybe aren't quite right or kind of go a little too far, uh, sometimes. Oh yeah. I, I, I see. Yes. I totally see what you mean. But in, in the instance of Heinlein and Niven, the ones that we've talked about could also be devices that these guys just, you know, have been told to put in because they sell books at that time. Yeah. And, and I don't think the, the publishers would say the same things to authors these days, but I believe the author or the publishers do push authors to different in different directions or to you know do do things that an author might not do right away right um just just to sell the books right that's a good point yeah i can see that well not in the cynical that's a cynical no no i mean i think there's but there's we know that's that's there's a there's truth there and um yeah i can see that i i I, I guess I was thinking a little more about the eugenics idea because that's such a, you know, such a something important to discuss. I think still versus say things that are clearly kind of sexist in retrospect, and uh, you know things. Ah, uh, like so so the story is worth it because because of those kinds of things. Well, I think if it. Well, that's, yeah, I think that's, that's what I guess what I'm kind of arguing or, or wondering if, you know, if it still gets you, gets people thinking about ideas that are, uh, you know, that, that help us think about something like eugenics, which is a really, still a real, um, you know, something real that, that's still, uh, it does happen to some degree, right? and will continue to happen, um, you know, that's worth discussing, I guess, or worth, worth, worth I think challenging so. yourself on, I guess. Yeah, I agree with that. What did, what did, um, what did we, what do you, I don't know, any other, um, kind of, kind of machines or things that you were struck by? Ring world itself was, was a machine or is a, you know, in the story is a machine. And how it, it, how the author described the scope and the, the, um, kind of not construction, but, but ideas that, that put this together. Well, some construction, uh, is, uh, amazing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, some of that was a little beyond me, I think. 
Well, what about what what about the thread that that cut off the wing of their of their um, their flyer, the liar, yeah. their spaceship? I think that's close. If not being being developed, it's yeah, we're close to developing something like that. I've I've seen some of those how you make it or you know next really? invention kind of shows. That, that show this super kind of thread that, that, uh, you know, you can make bulletproof vests out of and, uh, things like that. But if, it, but think of it on that, a uh, scope of millions of miles. What could you do? You could hold together panels that would, uh, shade a sun. That's, that's an amazing machine there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that would, that would protect. And, you know, not only protect from, say, UV rays, but also to, you know, work as a solar, you know, sulfur-solar energy. Right? Yeah. People might be living under oh. some kind of, uh, living living under a ring rather than on it. <laughs> yeah. Like and and uh, how, how Larry Niven, the author, um sold the idea of the ring world to me as that as their spaceship um flew under the uh ring and you could see the dents of the oceans and the pokes of the mountains and um and how they 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 saw the width as being as you know as great as I would ever think but then there was the length of it so I I was I was totally with the the whole ring part of this uh, novel. I I bought that that idea, though I think there probably are some technical difficulties with the idea of it. But I you know as a reader I bought I bought that whole idea. But but I'm going to take us back to the the uh, the ideas of eugenics. W- w- for me, was the was the biggest part of this story. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think the I mean the theme of yeah fate, you know fate luck versus uh, you know freedom free will, and um, yeah I think that I mean that to me that's the most was the most powerful piece of that. And then eugenics is, is a is a way. Um, well, I mean it works kind of in tandem with that. Um, I, yeah, in regard to the ring as well. I mean, I, I mean, I, I buy into it. I mean, I, I don't know if my knowledge of science is such that I, I am skeptical of a whole lot. I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty clear that there's a lot of fantasy here and, um, you know, it's not real hard based on hard science. Um, and I think that, you know, for me, that's fine. That's, that's, you know, that's the fiction part of science fiction. And, you know, I was pretty happy to just, uh, just to, just to be along for the ride. Um, yeah, there, there was, I thought that was kind of interesting that it took us like half the, about half the book before we arrived at ring world. Honestly, I was surprised too. And then I was kind of disappointed. Um, I, I wanted to go around the whole ring like a carnival ride. Right. Um, but we, we didn't get, um, very far at all, really lucky to escape with our lives. Yeah, I, I, there was there was moments there where it kind of reminded me of. Uh, I mean, I always there's you know reminds you of so many books, but there was quite a bit that reminded me of Gulliver's Travels. Oh, you remember they have that like island in the sky, Laputa. Laputa? Yes. Um, you know, with those flying. I guess that's another piece that was into those flying buildings and flying cities. Oh yeah. Um, which I thought, which I didn't quite understand how that worked exactly, other than they were like well, how they were able to stay up. And obviously, when they ran out of you know energy, they were. I thought that was a really kind of. I was trying to picture how I would depict that in like some artwork or something. Like you know the the idea that these flying glass kind of castle had all crashed in these cities. I thought that that was oh. a cool cool mental image of these you know. Crashed castles, crashed castles. You'll be able to see it on TV soon. Yeah, yeah. How fun to depict that. Yeah. 
Okay, so we predict crashed. We talked about this earlier. What what do we predict in the uh, series? And one of them is to see how the cities are crashed to the you know the other city and the but uh, beneath them. Yeah. Um, what else are we going to see? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely some version of those fly cycles. Um, yeah, the task scenes. I mean, that's got to be there, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Good. Interesting. It would take some special acting to pull that off, I think. Um, <laughs> um, what else are we going to see? Yeah, the depiction of the the puppeteer will be interesting. I th- I think uh, that's essential. If they if they mess that up, then I'm not watching it. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, just not doing that. it. Okay, here's here's a good prediction. This is only a yes or no question. Sex scenes, yes or no? No. Uh, <laughs> well. Uh, I well, I think it has to do with where it's being published, right? Because it's on the Sci-Fi Network, which tends to be oh, you know what? I might be being a little too old school in my thinking there because I think what wasn't um, I'm thinking about? Uh, oh shoot, we both watched. I think we were both watching this. Um, well, Carbon um, Alter Carb Alter Carbon Altered Carbon wasn't that on? Was that on the Sci-Fi? No, it was like HBO or Showtime or something, right? I mean, it's on Netflix now, but I, I think it wasn't. It wasn't okay, so so you, your your answer is uh, depending on what network has created. I think we're going to get that, but we're not going to be. I mean, it won't be like you know, there won't be the nudity that's described in the book. Um, I was trying to think of that. um, What's that series where they're like? This is a terrible description. They're like, I, I just started watching the beginning of it, never followed through. It was good. We talked about it. It's like they're flying. Kind of starts off with some, oh, like like some space ship that's kind of it's not lost in space. Um, Everybody's on a spaceship. Oh, yeah. oh, is this uh, Serenity? Well, it's like that's got Serenity. a good. That's a good one. Yeah, but it was it has been canceled a couple times. But sci-fi folks are really. Uh, into it. Oh, is this this kind of the parody on the Star, Star Trek? The Expanse. Oh, yes, I've seen all the seasons. And uh, there's some scene. I think that's side the Sci-Fi Channel, and there's some scenes in that where they're big about. I think they're, I remember, if I remember right, they're about as nude as you can be without you know full, uh, you know, f- full kind of exposure. Um, okay, so you're saying, so you're saying, yes. Yeah, actually, yeah. Now I think about it. Yeah, I think, I think that'll be there. But I, I, I think they're gonna. This will be, it will be very contemporary in the sense that the, you know, say a Tila Brown may not even. I mean, she might have the same name. Even her na- name is a bit um, caricatured. I would say, um, where those characters are given a bit more uh, power and. Uh, um, you know, kind of flushed out a bit more. So I would predict that they'll so, have, they'll have more. So you're changing the story. So this the story's already story been changed entirely, but that um, there'll just be a little more complexity to those characters, and I would say maybe a little less. A little help more, me! Help me! Yeah, yeah, they won't be quite so helpless, and I, and I don't see. Um, you know, maybe maybe a Lewis character. Well, okay, here's a question. I was going to say a Lewis character will be a little bit less arrogant, but I think there's a way in which you can play that character as being like the, you know, the swashbuckling, arrogant type that kind of learns his yes. lessons, you know, like a Han, you know, like a Han Solo type. Here's my okay. Will he be uh, of Chinese heritage? Ah. I would say... That's a good question. There is uh, there is a comedian. I can't remember his name right now. He's been he he's been on um, the Daily Show a few times. He has his own stand up. He's Asian. This guy is edgy and hilarious, and he's got to be the main character here for Lewis. Oh, 
It'd be perfect. I, think I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get, I'll get it later. Probably from his family's from Pakistan originally, right? Oh, I don't know that. I don't know that. No, this guy. Yeah, I think he's from California. Oh, Beck, Beck's from uh, Tony Chang or something. Yes, yes, he's Australian. Oh yes, he is Australian. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. You know. I mean, I know he's playing a role, but I don't. I guess I. I. Huh. I don't. I. I don't see him as as. Um, I guess. Mask is the way. I mean, he plays this kind of fem, feminine type on The Daily Show, and I've seen those excerpts. I don't know. Huh? What? Were you thinking the same guy? I don't think we think. I, I don't think so. Huh? Oh uh, no, I don't think I so. Is this the guy on Saturday Night Live? You're thinking of? No, no, no. I think the guy that's on the Daily Show. <laughs> well, you changed the story with Tila. I can change the story with Lewis. Well, I yeah, I'm not saying it should be changed. I'm just saying I could see. Well, I think they should change the Tila. A little bit, but I guess that you know the thing that will make that different is we're not going to get the narration, and we're really talking about the narration here, right? Third person, you know, kind of you know, third person. It's kind of it's most mostly limited, almost entirely limited to Lewis. And that's so, true. Yeah, so we're kind of in his mind, and so it's kind of like the you know it's Lewis's interpretation of things, and we're not going to get that with a TV show. And so what what makes what, the reason why Tila is partly portrayed that way is because it's Lewis's thoughts about Tila, right? So you don't think you can get that in a TV show? Good question. That narration. Well, you could. Well, I don't think you will get it. I think you, it's not that you can't. I just think that's not. You don't. You don't typically get that, right? It's so. Then it's super important how uh, the character of Lewis is, is played because he's heavy on the narration. So, you know, yeah. the, a lot of it will focus around him and how the writers, you know, change the story to, you know, fit what he says and how he acts and what he, what he does. Yeah. I, I hope they choose a, uh, yeah, someone, I mean, I, I like it when things are pretty authentic. Uh, Personally, so I would love to see them choose, um, you know, what we think. Yeah, I mean, I mean that he's that it's some, it's a, you know, it's an, a prom, you know, some kind of prominent Asian actor in his leading role, uh, East Asian actor. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah it'll be fun, fun to see. Okay, so, so we're both saying there's going to be an, a Lewis, uh, Lewis is is Asian. Well, I don't. I'm not. He's going to look Asian. Happen, but I, 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 I hope so. Okay, let's. Um, I got. I got. I got to go in a bit. Let's do a couple of things maybe before we go. So, real quick, um, this is what what genres do we have here? So it's kind of oh. first contact in a way. Yeah, that's definitely first contact. Uh, no, no. Yeah, when they hit Ringworld, first contact, but first contact of uh, aliens to humans, not not really. Yeah, I I would say no, not first contact. We get alien Um, encounters. Yes. Oh, space opera for sure. Oh yeah, definitely space opera. And continuing in in the next book or two or three. Yeah. Um. I guess that's probably probably it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. What? Um, and then the other thing is, what are we thinking for our next book? Or did we already decide that? I've, I've forgotten. Uh, Twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Okay. All right. That sounds good. And then I think we just need to coordinate. Which I was trying to find because uh, that's that's a work in translation. Um, let's let's try to read the same one. I'll send you a picture of my cover and all of the that's that stuff. I don't have it with me right now, but 
Okay, maybe we can. I will do that today. Share even the first page just to double check.、Um, okay, yeah, yeah, good first page. Twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Wow. Okay, that's that's going way back. Vern. Well. Vern. It, yeah, it'll be in, interesting to see some of the uh, I, uh, the themes that we've already talked about. And、uh, whether how, and how he treats his characters. Now you've read this in the past at some point. Oh, so many years ago. So I don't remember the book as well as I remember the movie, and that was a Disney movie. So I can't, you know, I I think it's going to be pretty far away from what this what the story is. But I I remember the big points, and I think it's going to be. I think you're going to like it. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's been it's been on my list forever. I just never. Read it, so excited. Well, you you just had a, a trip to the beach, a vacation on the beach and the ocean and all of that, and that's you know where most of this story, if not all of it, takes place is the ocean. Right, right. Yeah, it's something that, that we have yet to to fully explore to this day. Have Have you ever been on a submarine? Not, not. I mean, only, only. You know, one of those ones that's parked. You know, that's docked, and you can、uh, check out. Yeah, no,、oh. never been on a moving submarine. Yeah, been on some boats. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, okay. Well,、um, I'm ready. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Still need to work on that that sign off.、Um, <laughs> Life, death, sci-fi. Life. Life and death. Life and death. That sounds a little bit like taxes. Yeah. So, and they're coming up soon. Um. Uh. So, life, death, and taxes and sci-fi. Um. What if we read that? What if we read the end of each each book? Would that make sense? We can't. Yes, we can't really. We can never go back. No, of course not. Now we can. Now we not until we can deliver our secret to our respective worlds. And acquire an intact ship. How are we going to、oh, get that ship? <laughs> All right. We're going to get that ship.、Yeah. The、uh, the secrets. What are the secrets? Are the secrets the the、uh, hyperdrive that uh, goes uh, so many light years in a second, or it、uh, some fantastic thing, right? Or the secrets of how their lives have been manipulated by the puppeteer race species. Yeah. How are we? How are we being manipulated right now? Andy, with some questions. The music is Babylon by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at. IncompeTech.filmmusic.io, licensed by Creative Commons.